have been looking, if you haven't been here, uh, and if you're new here, welcome. If we haven't met, my name's Dean, and it's, uh, it's fantastic to have you here. And if you're, if you're brand new here or new to church, just know uh, you're welcome here. And uh, just kind of relax and enjoy. And what we're talking a bit about today as a community uh, is God's vision for us. We believe that God has purpose, he has intention, he has plans for us. And we've been refreshing ourselves around what we call our beyond the horizon vision. Ten years ago, we spent time seeking God, saying, what's ten years in the future? From 2016, uh, looking ahead to 2026, God, where are you taking us? And we came around this phrase we've been looking at that we believe he was calling us to become a center for renewal as we passionately pursue the presence of God. And so we've been thinking this year, we're in that midpoint, kind of five years in, five to go. And it's sometimes at that point when you're in the middle of the ocean, you know, you can't see kind of where you left from. You can't quite see where you're going to land. Those sometimes are the moments you most need to be reminded of the journey that you set out on. And so we've been refreshing ourselves around what does it mean? to be a center for renewal. We're seeing signs of it all over the place, things that are, are you know, we're seeing God bring to fruition. But today we're gonna be uh, diving into uh, one more piece of this puzzle. Last week we were talking about kind of the invitation that every person has to be a part of renewal, looking at the life of Gideon and what God called him to do. And we're gonna talk today about one of the key moments. If you wanna be a person, if maybe last week even you're going, yes, I wanna be a part of renewal, walking in renewal. We're gonna talk today about one of the key uh, shifts you can make that I hope could be part of your personal vision for this year and that I believe if it is a part of uh, collectively our vision as a year uh, here at True North that this uh, is one of the things that will actually allow each one of us as individuals and us as a community to really step into renewal. So we're going to be looking at Gideon again and picking up his story God, he was used by God to bring renewal at a time when the people of God, they were kind of a, uh, drifted and, and just kind of lost the plot, lost a little bit of direction. We're now facing incredible adversity and challenges. Uh, and in this moment, God uses Gideon to help bring renewal. And so we're going to look at how he does that. Judges, chapter 6. We're going to get here Gideon's first assignment now that he is kind of convinced he wants to follow God in this renewal project. Verse 25 says this, that same night, the Lord said to him, to Gideon, take the second bull from your father's herd. In fact, uh, the Lord, I'm going to pause for a second. Uh, many of you be familiar with this, but if you're new to the scriptures, whenever you see the Lord in all caps in a Bible, uh, that means that is a space where it's using God's kind of proper name that he said he wanted to be known by, which is the name Yahweh. And that means I am who I am effectively. Uh, and, and so whenever you see the Lord uh, in the kind of all caps in your scripture, just know it's actually using God's proper name. And, and through tradition over the years, people didn't want to, uh, you know, sort of use that frivolously. So often we just say the Lord. But at times I may just use the word Yahweh. So if you hear that and wonder uh, why did he say that or where would that come from, I didn't see it. That's where it comes from. And sometimes it's helpful to do that. Because it reminds us that God is uh, not just any God. He actually uh, is very specific about who he is. Uh, and that name, I am who I am, it reminds us that he is the one who is before all things, who created all things. Uh, so just thought that may be helpful as we start. So that same night, the Lord Yahweh said to him, to Gideon, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one who's seven years old. Tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. These are a couple more names. We're going to have to work our way through. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God. 
on top of this height, using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bull as a burnt offering. Now we're going to pause there. All right. Like, Dean, it was confusing enough when we were just talking about uh, the Yahweh part. Now, what is going on here? Now, I want to take us to what is such an important part of renewal. And this passage and story is so helpful, Uh, even though you may find yourself going, I do not even know where we are at right now. And if you are new to the Bible or new to church, you're like, we're talking about, you know, bulls and, and offerings. And, and you may be like, I, I'm, I'm not an agricultural type of I'm struggling here. Here's what you have to understand. Here's the backdrop. Here is the backdrop to what has gone wrong for the people of God at this moment in history. Uh, they live in and amongst a lot of different people groups. The people of God, the people of Israel, they were called to serve Yahweh as God and to be set apart as a holy people for him. Well, so much of the Old Testament that is confusing to us or we're like, that doesn't make sense or we're confused. So much of of the the Old Testament scriptures, it's written in a different world in a different era in the ancient Near East. But it's all about coming to understand that there is one true God who is the Lord, who is Yahweh. And he is holy. He is totally different than any other gods. And he is always asking his people, uh, as he says, to be holy as I am holy. Be set apart. Be different. Don't be like everyone else. Now, the people of Israel at this time, they live in and amongst these other groups. And prominent amongst the people they live around is the worship of these other gods, uh, Baal and Asherah. Now, they are like fertility gods. They are the gods you go to when you're like, I want my crops to go well. I want, like, I want to get a, a raise, maybe a bonus at work. Okay, their system didn't work quite like that. But they're kind of the gods you just go to. They don't ask a lot of you. You just make some sacrifices to them, do these things, and hopefully, you know, life will just go well for you. So what's happened at this point for the people of God, and the reason they are in need of renewal is they've kind of just picked up on worshiping the same stuff as everybody around them. They've started to worship, instead of uh, just worshiping the Lord, Yahweh, uh, they have picked up the worship of these other gods that they're surrounded by. And it's not so much that they went, hey, we're done with Yahweh, or, uh, or you know, we don't really, you know, worship the Lord anymore. It's not that they've actually done that. This is what's called syncretism. Uh, turn to the person next to you and say syncretism. Now you can just feel like a super smart person. Because when I say that, I'm like, I feel really smart, you know. But uh, the whole idea is they, they were not uh, turning away from God. What they were trying to do, it's almost like they're just mixing it all up. Syncretism means sort of bringing it all together. And so they're like, we can still worship the Lord, but sometimes if things aren't going well, well, maybe we should try some other gods. So we'll have a, not just altars to Yahweh, but maybe to Asherah and to Baal and, and these other gods as well. Okay, are you with me? All right, hopefully. I know it's a lot of background, but we need it if we're going to wrap our heads around this. So what God says here, he's like, Gideon, if you're going to bring renewal uh, to my people and get things kind of back on track and my people becoming who they were always meant to be, it's going to start with this. you got to go tear down the altars to Baal and Asherah. We're going to go back and read that again real quick and watch the Lord's instruction here. He says, all right, Gideon, here's your first assignment. First thing I want you to do. You're going to take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that's seven years old. That bull was probably set aside to be offered or sacrificed to, to Baal or Asherah already. He's like, you're going to take the bull that, you know, your dad, because he's kind of apparently running the whole, you know, kind of alternate worship service going on. He's like, you're going to take his bull 
and he was going to offer it, and you're going to use that bull to rip down the altar to Baal, because this thing's big. You're going to need a bull to do it. Rip it down. Then you're going to tear down the Asherah pole, and you're going to turn it into firewood, and you're going to build a new altar to Yahweh, to the Lord, and you're going to sacrifice the bull on that. It's basically going, you are going to set worship right in this town. Here's what I want you to understand today. This may feel foreign or sound strange to our ears in the 21st century. I, I get that. But at its heart, it's the same challenge the people of God have always experienced through every generation. And it's the challenge of ending up losing our distinctive nature as the people of God. Who are called to worship God in a unique way in this world. And what often happens is over time, we can drift from that. And that's what had happened here. And God's going, Gideon, the first thing, if we're going to rescue my people, if we're going to throw off, remember the Midianites or the people of Preston, if we're going to throw that off, it starts with worship. Renewal always starts with worship. Now, when we think about our vision for the year, being a center for renewal, I just want you to know today we're going to think about this reality. Renewal will always start with worship. Now, do you know what worship is? We gather for worship this morning. It's why we get together. But worship is so much bigger than a gathered experience of worship. Worship is about what is at the center of your life that everything else revolves around. We were with some friends the other morning, and we went and we took Asher, who's Asher, not Asherah, Asher, okay, just want you to know, the accent's a little confusing. Asher, we took with us. And, uh, and he's a baby. He's only six, seven months old. He's like this big. Uh, we were a little bit late because Asher has a schedule. So sometimes Asher doesn't want to run by our schedule. And the, we were meeting with a, an older couple. And they said, isn't it funny how when you have a little one, they're so little, but they have such an outsized effect on how your day ends up going. Or, and I also, I often find it's like, you know, he's so small, but... It's almost like the gravitational pull around him can be quite significant. People have to, like, change and adjust. And, and, and here's the thing. If you've ever had, a, 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 if you're a parent and you have a child, probably at some point in your life you said to that child, do you know what? The whole world doesn't revolve around you. Who's ever said that, you know? How many people have ever had said to you, you know what? The whole world doesn't revolve around you, you know? We as people, we have a way of ending up Sticking things into our life that we don't realize it, but it starts to feel like the whole world revolves around it. The nature of who we are as created beings, God created us to worship him, to know him, love him, enjoy him forever. God created us for worship. So our hearts, do you know this about your heart and about mine? It's got this little hole that will always seek to stick something in the middle. The human heart is always looking for something around which it can say, Everything else revolves around this. And what happens, worship is about knowing life is meant to. The one thing in your heart, you know, Constantine always said famously this way, you know, our hearts are restless and they will stay restless until they find their rest in God. Because he's made us with this, sometimes they call it that, you know, kind of God-shaped hole in the heart. Our heart is always looking for one thing around which everything else can revolve. And we are always tempted we are always tempted, just as they were, to put something else at the very center. Now, here's the funny thing. Gideon is so afraid of tearing down these altars. We're told he goes at night. We're told the mighty warrior literally says he's so afraid of what everyone's going to say. He goes at night to do this. 
He takes a crew of 10 people with him. He goes at night so nothing will go wrong. And uh, so people won't find out. Because here's how worship works. Whenever you uh, question at times what might be in the center for people, uh, there's a, a decent chance they may get upset. So we could be like Gideon, you know, why were you so afraid to go tear down these altars? I want you to imagine for a moment, I said to you, I want you to go tonight. I want you to go to your, your father or your mother's house or, you know, whoever's kind of that person and authority in your life, if you will. I want you to go to their house. I want you to go to, how about this? I want you to go to your father's house and I want you to tear down his flat screen TV. <laughs> You'd be like, uh-uh, <laughs> mess with that? Like, that's kind of important, you know? I want you to go tonight. I want you to cancel your father's subscription to KO. Whoa, whoa, hold up. I want you to go tonight. I want you to take your father's share portfolio. You know, the one that's invested in a bunch of tech companies. I want you to liquidate it and give it all to the church. How many people be excited about that assignment? I'm not saying you're worship that TV if you got a flat screen on the wall. But I am saying if I tore down your flat screen, you'd probably want to kill me. <laughs> you know? this, is, this is the thing. If we want to be agents of renewal, we have to be willing to ask the uncomfortable questions. And those uncomfortable questions are, around what does my life revolve? What are the things that I go, I cannot move that one? What are the things that we say, you know, yeah, that's good. That can fit in as long as it fits in over here. Do you know the, the calling of worship for the people of God? Let me, let me explain this, this way for a moment if, if, if I can. I, I've seen people over time. We gather for worship today. So if you're new here, one of the things, you, the reason we do this, and I believe the reason God in, invites his people to gather once a week to worship him collectively to say we put aside all the other pieces of our life and we say we got one big rock that we all gather around that's Jesus the reason God invites us to do that is because this can create an anchor in our lives that reminds us that life doesn't revolve around all the other things in our schedule throughout the week life revolves around God now I've seen people often who respond to God and they say Jesus has forgiven me, and it's so great. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to worship. I don't need any of those things to be part of my life because I just know I'm saved in Christ. I see other people who are like, I better go to church because if I miss a week, God will be angry at me, or maybe things will not go well. You could call these two ends of the spectrum. For some people, it becomes legalism. I must do it, or God will not be happy. The other side is sometimes called license. I don't need to do anything. But renewed worship is when we say, I love God so much. I, it's a joy and a delight to want to organize my life around him. I delight to put God at the center. And I realize that's where I find love and joy and peace and the things he wants in my life. Now, the reason I just say all this is because I believe that one of our vision uh, focal points for this year must be, as the people of God, if we're going to be a center for renewal, we must be willing to focus on restoring worship in our lives. And, and, and when I say restoring worship, I don't just mean... We need the bands to get better, you know. I don't just mean we need, you know, a better sound system or, or even just, you know, that, that you need to make sure you're here at least 50 out of the 52. I'm not, none of that. I'm saying we need to be people who renew the focus of our life is centered on Christ. He is the sun around which all the other pieces of our life revolve. And to do that often requires really uncomfortable conversations and moments and sometimes we're like, 
I mean, let, you know, I feel it often as a pastor that, that there are probably things in our culture. I'm like, I, God, I don't want to talk to people about that. I'd rather do that at night. Because I know if I say something about a flat screen TV, somebody's going to get upset. <laughs> if I suggest that sport could be in danger of becoming an idol, you know, somebody will be upset. Probably upset myself on that one, to be fair. <laughs> but we must always be on the lookout to realize what are the things that we let become, and we're no different than, than the culture around us. You know, we talked about these big rocks in our vision. Now, uh, uh, I want to tie off on this Gideon story for a moment. So God sends Gideon, and he goes, and Gideon does it. He does it at night because he's afraid, but he does it. And sure enough, he was correct to be afraid because the next day everybody's like, who tore down the, the altars? And they literally say, we're going to kill you. <laughs> you, tore, you tore that down, we're going to kill you. And, and Gideon's dad basically says to everybody, look, hold on. If, if Baal is a god and he's so powerful, why don't you just let him deal with him, okay? And everybody's like, all right, fine, we'll do that. And they let him go. But the first step in the road to renewal is going, man. It's so easy to end up, we don't mean to, and we didn't intend to, but the people of God, we need renewal because it can be so easy for our lives just to end up looking no different than everyone around us. And the correction to that is to restore worship. As we restore worship, putting God at the center of our lives, that has a transformative effect on who we are, and we become no longer just looking like everyone around us, but we become agents of renewal. Our lives are now starting to become like the lights that can shine in the darkness because they are different and unique. Now, when we talk about our vision to be a center for renewal, we talk about these four big rocks. One of the ones that we haven't yet talked about was this priority. We said five years ago, we need to focus on reframing spiritual formation. Reframing spiritual formation. Turn to the person next to you and just say spiritual formation. I want you just to get this word out loud. Say spiritual formation. And the reason we talk about it is because spiritual formation is the process where we are transformed more and more in ever-increasing amount into the likeness of Christ. Spiritual formation is about realizing God is calling us to be transformed and live renewed lives that demonstrate who he is to the world. When we talked about reframing it, part of the reason we use that phrase is because as a church, we don't want to think about spiritual formation or discipleship. Uh, you know, this is another way of talking about discipleship. One of our key phrases is it's not about information, it's about transformation. We don't want to be a people. So when we think about this year, how do we become people who restore worship? How do we become people who are living spiritually renewed lives? It happens as we are not gathering more information into our brains. It happens as we are increasingly transformed from who we used to be into the people God's calling us to be. Gideon starts the story. He's afraid. He's scared. He's like, and, the, and God says, you're a mighty warrior. I'm going to use you. And the, the story of Gideon has watched him transform from this fearful guy. And he's so afraid to do stuff, he goes at night into eventually someone who's capable of leading renewal. And in your life and in mine, God has purpose and desires and intention for you. And you reach that as you are transformed to be more like Christ. Now, what I love about the vision for reframing spiritual formation is, how many people know this about the year 2022? You're thinking about vision, and maybe you're going, Dean, how can you even talk about vision? We don't even know what's going to happen next week. We don't even, like, now borders are open. Did you know that? Like, that happened a couple of days ago. Life is constantly changing. New kind of directives, boundaries, rules, regs, all these things. 
There's uncertainty. What will happen when borders open? What will happen this, that, the other? Life is full of uncertainty. You go back to 2019 to now, one thing we all know, life is pretty good to write your plans in pencil, (laughs) right? Agreed? and, and here's the thing. So you're like, what can we do this year that we could be certain of as a church? What kind of vision is there that nothing could change no matter what happens? And the, the one vision God has for your life that if you grab hold of it, it is the vision for spiritual formation in your life. Because spiritual formation is not dependent on circumstance. It's not dependent. You can be spiritually formed in seasons when everything's going well. You can be spiritually formed in seasons where it's all going wrong. The book of Romans says God can use all things together for the good of those he loves. So when you engage in a process of saying, God, I know you can use all things, anything, pandemics, challenges, adversity, the good, the bad, the ugly, you can use it all for my good, then you are starting on the road to spiritual formation. You're starting to realize that what God cares about most will not be the things that you and I do or accomplish this year, but who we become in him. You know, there are, I want to give you a a, a small vision here. I want to give it just a little bit of clarity because this is, you know, we got part four still to come on on team night. But here's where I want to kind of start to land a little bit of what what if you and I all adopted a common vision to say, okay, All right, God wants us to be different, set apart, transformed in this world. What is a snapshot, Dean, of what that looks like? Maybe going, Dean, like, what what am I aiming for? I don't know what what that kind of, which altar, how do I smash it? What's all that looking? Do you know what God desires for you and I? I want to give you three words that the scriptures use over and over that paint a little bit of the life God dreams for you and for me. And it is that when we are spiritually formed in Christ, becoming more like him, that our lives increasingly are marked by love, joy, and peace. Do you know that Jesus, in one of his final speeches to his followers, he's talking to them, and throughout the course of that speech in John 14, he's, he talks to them about, hey, I'm going to be going, but my peace I leave with you. She's like, I'm going to face this stuff, but I'm going to leave my peace with you. Do you know Jesus wants you to experience and be marked by and know peace in your life. In an anxious and fearful world, Jesus imagined his followers would be marked by peace. Jesus said to his, uh, some of his followers, one of his final, in that same time of teaching them, talking to them, he says, I, am, I, I have told you all these things about me and where I'm going and what's going to happen and how I'm going to go across and prepare a place for you, all these things. He said, so that your, do you know what? So that your what? Your joy may be complete. Jesus said, I want your joy to be complete and full and not lacking. Jesus wants his followers to know and experience joy as a settled state of being in our lives. And then he talks over and over again about how you want to know how people are going to know you're my followers, you're my disciples, you're my people that I'm forming, You'll be known by your love. And greater love has no one else, he said in that same talk, than that they lay down their life for their friends. Love. Not that you walk around feeling warm and fuzzy toward everybody, but that your life will be marked by this agape love of willing the good for the other. It's not about me. Now imagine this vision 
Because this is something of the vision Jesus, he's like, if you're going to be my people, if you're going to look different in this world, it starts by putting me at the center. Because if anything else goes in the center, if you put your work in the center of your life, work is good. It's created by God. It should be an important part of the solar system of your life. You put work in the center, you'll never find peace. And you'll never find joy because you constantly be thinking, what else do I got to do? How else do I prove that I'm worthy and I'm valuable? And how, what, how much, and what if I lost my job? I lose my security. You'll never have peace. But when you put God at the center of your life, you can find peace. Because you can trust no matter what happens. It's all in his hands. You know, when, when you put God in the center of your life, you can begin to experience joy. Jesus is like, I'm telling you, so your joy could be complete. Joy is, is different than just feeling happy. You know, we know the idea of happiness depends on what's happening. Joy is about a settled state of knowing it's all okay in my Father's hands. That's why he says the joy will be your strength. The joy of the Lord can be your strength. Pain and difficulty are not optional in life, but joy is what gives us the strength to navigate them without giving up. Love. Jesus imagines his followers will be marked not by going... In every given moment, you know, well, how will this benefit me? But love is how can I benefit another? You know, imagine we just went in 2022. We have no idea what the world will hold. The ups, the downs, the twists, the turns. But as a people, our vision is to become more and more formed into the kind of people Jesus imagines us to be. And one of the parts of my vision for this year is I want to be someone that when people are around me, they would say, that dude, in addition to being incredibly good looking, I, I, I want them to say, <laughs> he's just got peace. You know, sometimes, like, that's, there's a lot going on or happening, or I know he's facing some challenges, but somehow he just seems to have peace. That guy, you know, when I'm around him, I, I wish people would say that. You know what's a little different? There's joy. There's joy. Even when, you know, it feels like things aren't going so hot, there's still a joy underneath it all. And I hope that people say, you know, when I'm around him, I, I, I feel like he, he loves me. You know, I don't know. That's kind of awkward, and some people may not say it that way. But I hope people know I'm for them, that actually I'm not always looking for what's in it for me, but that I'm, I'm trying to think about how can I lay my life down. Now, I need to grow in all these things. I'm not yet where I want to be, but I'm also so thankful I'm not where I used to be. And my vision for this year is to say, God, no matter what, would you help form me? I want you at the center of my life. And I want to increasingly live a life that looks different in this world. Because can I tell you something? You know what will look different in our world? You know what will make people go, that's different? And the word holy means different in, in a lot of ways. Okay, so I know sometimes, like, I don't know if I want to be holy because it's got a lot of connotations or things you might think about it. Holiness is like, that is other. That's different. And do you want to know what would be other, what would be different in our world? Lives marked with peace, joy, and love. You know, wouldn't it be great if whenever people thought about, you know, the people of true north, the people of, of God, they just went, you know, I don't know about everything about them, but I can't argue with this. They're so full of peace, joy, and love. They're so overflowing with it. Wouldn't it be great if you're like, it almost drives me crazy. <laughs> I think one of the great challenges when I even look back on where we've come so far, and I think there are certain things that we have come a long way in this, but 
I think we've got a, a ways to go in prioritizing above everything else the spiritual formation of who we are in Christ. Being people who are committed to becoming, growing up into the people Jesus called us to be. Can I tell you one thing as well? If you are here today or watching online, you're like, I don't buy into the whole Jesus thing. You could just try this year starting to read and live your life a little bit how he said. And I would guarantee you, you may find a pathway to peace and joy and love. Sometimes we're so, think about Jesus as, uh, I think we can all be in danger, you know, kind of, he's the one who saved us and, and we can sometimes accidentally move to kind of the Jesus is my ticket to heaven and that'll, you know, so that's good. I've got that ticket punched and I'll get there when I get there. And forget the fact that he wants us to get experiencing the life of heaven now as we follow him. You know, spiritual formation is about realizing the most important thing that happens in our life. It's not the information we take in. It's the transformation that happens. There's a famous study. And it was done at Princeton uh, Seminary, Princeton Seminary and University of Ivy League place. They're training pastors. And uh, it is in the 70s, and there's a social psychologist at that university who wanted to see the impact that being in a hurry had on people's lives. Now, uh, imagine for a moment how many of us, when somebody says, how was your week, we might have said, you know, oh, so busy. And, and, and in another way, you could almost say, oh, it was just like hurrying from here to there. Um, this is not judgment. Just We all know a little bit of what that's like, right? I do. I, I'm sure you do. They want to see what's the impact of what happens when someone's on a hurry. So they got these students, and they are all preparing. They're doing exegesis. They're studying the text of the Good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, and, and that story, if you don't know it, is all Jesus tells a story, and it's about someone who gets beat up, left by the side of the road, their terrible need. And the first two people who are like on their way to the temple ignore them and walk past because they got other things going on. And then a third person who's a Samaritan stops and helps. And Jesus tells the story to try and say this story is all about being willing to stop and help or be concerned for those who are in need and those who may be different than you and, and all those things. So anyway, we got these students. They are studying uh, this passage. They're learning Greek and all the different ins and outs. And they're told, you've got to go film a recording of your message. You're going to preach like that. And you're going to go film it on the other side of the campus. But what they've done is they're going to send them kind of one by one to go film it. And on the way, they've planted someone who looks like the, the, the person in the story, who looks like they've been beat up, they're in trouble, they're in need. Like, oh, this is a rough experiment, right? <laughs> How about that one? How would you like to have this, like, pulled on you? So, they, so now they got these guys. They're, they are, it's front of mind, the information, it's all right here. And they break them in three groups. First group, they said, hey, you've got to get over there. You're actually late. You need to get over there and film your message. That is the very, very hurried group. The second group, they say, hey, you better go right now. If you leave right now, you can make it on time. The third group, they say, hey, it's time to head over. Why don't you leave now? You'll get there early. You have plenty of time, and then, uh, you know, and then you'll do your message. Now, the first group who are in this hurry, like less than 10%, or 10% or less, stop. Imagine that. They all see them like it's super obvious, but they're literally on their way to preach a message and these are Ivy League trained on this message. They're on their way to do just that, and they all are like, nah, don't got time. <laughs> and then, of course, the group that had the least hurry, the majority, about 63% stopped and helped. The whole point of it is this. Information alone 
will not change your habits, your actions, how you live your life. If it was that simple, it, it would just happen. You'd know it, you'd do it. The thing that will determine so often how you live your life, it's just, it's, it's actually how you live your life. It's the rhythm of your life. It's the things you put in place. It's not just the information, it's the transformation of who you are and the thinking carefully about how you live and want to live. And the more that we start with this one idea, not just how can I learn a bunch of stuff for the history of Canaanite fertility cults? That's what we've been a little bit talking about today. Yeah, it's information. God wants transformation. He wants our lives to be transformed. So we're people who experience more peace, more joy, more love. And who actually look different in this world. You know, I want to encourage you this year to be willing to ask the difficult questions about your life. Am I in a hurry all the time? You know, Dallas Willard, uh, one of the writers that will talk about spiritual formation, one of the great writers on spiritual renewal, when he was asked, what is the most important aspect of discipleship? He said this famous phrase, it would be the most, the ruthless elimination of hurry. The ruthless elimination of hurry. Because just like in that Princeton experiment, sometimes it's just the, We've not learned to walk yoked up with Christ at the pace he wants us to move. But what if this year you went, I, I want to experience transformation. And if that, is, if that is the case for you, then I want to encourage you to consider this year making part of your vision for your life to say, you know what, I don't know what I'm going to achieve on goals A, B, C, and D, but I do know this, I want to be known as a person of peace, joy, and love. And then the way you experience more of that will not be start to manufacture it, try harder, but it will be as you live your life in the fellowship and empowerment of the Holy Spirit in your life. Walking with God. Doing what Jesus said. Come be yoked with me. Come learn the, my way, the easy yoke. And as you do that, I know in my own life I find it so helpful, a clarifier to say, what's going on in my heart? Because usually when peace is gone, something else has gone to the center. When joy is gone, often something else has gone to the center. And we must become people who are willing to constantly ask the questions of what has become the thing in my life that it's all revolving around. You know, I want to encourage you, if you want to take some steps in spiritual formation this year, uh, and, and this isn't now, here's what you should do and do steps A through D. I have, spiritual formation is not a complicated thing. It starts by just making a focused decision that this is the kind of person I want to be. And then beginning to put some habits and patterns in place in your life that allow you to start to grow in that. And so I want to encourage you. I'm going to give you two book ideas that you could actually read this year. If you go, I want to get started on this. Find a couple people, and you can read one of these two books. One, I think, is one of the greatest books on spiritual formation. It's called Renovation of the Heart by Dallas Willard. That is a thick book and a little bit challenging to read. So not everybody's going to love it. But if you're going, I really want to get somewhere with this this year, and you're a reader type, go for it. And, and I think it's one of the best you'll find. The other one I'll give you as an option is called Rhythm and Flow, and it's really a booklet, and this one's written not by Dallas Willard, but by Dean Gretzinger, and it's only this thick. And the reason I wrote it only this thick, or put it together as a booklet, is because I know not everybody's a reader, but the whole idea of this, if you've, and some of you have been here and we've done stuff around it, 
but it's to just try and work your way through a really simple process of saying, what's my actual vision for my life? And what are the things I can start to put in place so I can start to live in accordance with that vision? And then what would a healthy rhythm look like to my life so that I can start to live out of who God is calling me to be instead of just getting pushed along by the pace of life? And I want to encourage you to find a couple people in your life. Maybe it's on a team here at True North. People you serve with. Maybe it's in a group, a connect group. Maybe it's, maybe it's finding some people who are interested in something you're interested in saying, hey, let's do this together and let's talk about how we're being shaped to be people of love, joy, and peace. And if you got to the end of this year and you didn't move the needle on a whole bunch of goals you had, but you knew you were a person of more love, joy, and peace, oh, what a year that would be. Amen. You know, I want to invite you wherever you're at just to stand up. Stand up where you are. And, and I just want to pray for us as a community because my heart and dream for 2022 is that we would grow to be a people who increasingly are known, marked by Love, peace, and joy. That in a world that is so frequently full of, of fear, anxiousness, so frequently about what's in it for me, that we could be those people who are marked by love, by joy, by peace. And not because we've discovered some superhuman strength that we just try harder, but because we are people who have grown deeper in pursuing the presence of God in our lives. Because it's as we walk with him that we're transformed. It's as we contemplate him we're transformed. It's as we listen to him and are willing to ask the difficult questions and say, God, what am I sticking in the center? And, and how, do I, how do I get back to that place, Lord, where you're in the center? That's how we're transformed. It's what he wants for our lives. So I want to pray for you today. One of the things we will often do here is we just, as a way of saying, God, I want to be part of this, we open up our hands. And that's just a physical way of saying, I'm welcoming the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. I'm not trying to manufacture energy. I'm not trying to just do more. I, I just want to, I want to allow God's Spirit to work in my heart in such a way to make these things a reality. So if you want to be part of this prayer, you just kind of open your hands. And we're going to trust that the living God can be at work in this moment. And in our lives. Let me encourage you to start by just taking a big, deep breath. And just centering your thoughts on the living God, creator of all, who loves you. Who's made provision for you through his son Jesus. Who's given his Holy Spirit to empower you. Center your thoughts on him. Sending your thoughts on the one who knows every hair on your head, who knows every thought before it's thought, every word that is spoken. Center your thoughts on the one who knows your best and worst moments and loves you through all of it. Sending your thoughts on the one who is for you, who can work all things together for your good. Lord, in this moment, we stand here as broken people, broken vessels. But those who desire to see more of the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Lord, I pray for each one of us that where there are things that have slipped into the center of our life, you would lovingly give us eyes to see what those things are. 
so that we might restore worship in our lives, putting you at the center. Lord, I pray you would give us a common vision to be transformed as we walk step by step with you this year. I pray that you would give us the confidence and boldness to believe that peace, joy, and love in ever-increasing measure could be what our lives are known by. May we see our lives the way you see them. Have your vision. May we have your vision for our lives and our year ahead. Could you work out your good purposes in our midst? Heavenly Father, I pray that even today you would begin a fresh work of transformation by your Holy Spirit inside each one of us as we surrender ourselves to you. May we grow in a greater and greater capacity to know you, to love you, to be transformed by you. In the name above every other name, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.